So, Father God, I just thank you so much for what you have already accomplished this night. We give you praise, glory, and honor for that right now, Father God. And we, I just thank you for the word that's about to come forth, Lord Jesus. I pray that it would be your words, not mine, Lord God. And as we look at this name of God tonight, as we uh, look at another aspect of your character, Lord God, I pray that it would minister to us tonight in Jesus and change lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. All right, so how many days do you guys have left till school is done? Four, zero, three. Here, numbers all over the place. It's close. Less than a week. So exciting. I am really, really looking forward to this summer. Uh, my wife, who's in the place, she just graduated from KSU with her bachelor's degree. She's going to be uh, going back to school in the fall, but she's taking the summer off, and I'm really excited about that because that means we have, you know, time to do day trips, you know, uh, do some fun activities on the weekends, maybe get a vacation in there, hopefully, so I'm really looking forward to the summer, and uh, summer at 597, I'm just going to tell you guys, it is going to be off the chain. You guys do not want to miss it. We have such a great lineup for momentum. We got guest speakers. We're doing the Oscars. We're going to have events every week at the park, so it is going to be one you definitely don't want to miss, and you definitely want to invite your friends for it as well. So I'm excited to be jumping into our Alias Sermon Series. Pastor Tommy kicked it off last week. How many of you were not here last week? Let me see your hands real quick. All right, so he did a phenomenal job. If you missed it, you can go onto our podcast and check it out. And uh, Alias, so we're looking at, as is obvious by this slide, the different names of God. So last week he taught you guys on Yahweh, I am that I am, Jehovah. And so he did a great job, and his main point that he was drawing out from that name of God was that God is all, God in all. Just a mind-blowing sermon looking at the amazingness of God. So this week, I'm going to be tackling this name of God. Who wants to take a stab at how to say that? Elroy. Elroy. Sounds like a boy's name. Elroy. <laughs> um, but... I looked up different sources on the internet to try and figure out how to actually pronounce it. It wasn't really conclusive, but the one I'm going to go with said El Rai. El Rai. <laughs> and so to me, that sounds like a real southern way to say it. El Rai. <laughs> so, but uh, nonetheless, I'm going to go with that, my own twist on it. So, uh, so I'm going to give you guys some background information on this name. And uh, then we can uh, dive in. So this, how many of you guys have heard of this name of God before? A couple of hands, okay, less than uh, actually in junior high. This, this name of God and the story behind this name are not super popular. It's not stuff you really hear about in kids' church. You don't really hear sermons about it, at least I haven't, so that's why I did one on it. So no, no, just kidding. <laughs> but um, the, this name of God and this story, that answers a deep, deep question that um, many, many people have wondered. In fact, I'm confident that many of you in this room tonight have asked this question at some point or another, and that question is, does God see what I'm going through? Does God see what I'm going through in my home life? How my parents are getting a divorce, and it's tearing me up. Does God see what's going on with this strife I'm having with my parent or my sibling? Does God see what's going on in my school right now? Does God see this 
tension I'm having with a teacher or this class that I'm struggling with or how I'm being bullied and picked on or feeling isolated? Does God see this depression that I'm dealing with? Does God see this thing, this hurt that I've been carrying for so long? How many of you guys have asked this question before? Let me see your hands. Nobody? Put them up high. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's the hands. How many of you guys have been asked this by somebody else? Anybody? Yeah. So if you haven't, if you didn't raise your hand for either of those, it is probably just a matter of time before you encounter one of those two situations. And uh, so the story, because every name of God has a story behind it, the story where this name of God is found is in Genesis chapter 16. And the story centers around a woman who is suffering intense pain, and she had given up hope that God cared about her. So let's go ahead and dive in and go on this woman's journey. So some, a little bit more overview. How many of you guys remember Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. So you guys remember the school from Children's Church, okay? So Father Abraham, he was the father of the Hebrew people, and God made a covenant with Abraham and promised to give him descendants beyond counting. So Genesis chapter 16 picks up the story where um, Abraham has been in Canaan, the land that God promised to give Abraham and his descendants for 10 years, and he still doesn't have the promised heir. And so at this point, Abraham's in like his 80s, I believe. And so he's getting up there. And so his wife, Sarai, later becomes Sarah, she is tired of waiting on God. She says, look, if we wait on this, we're just going to die before it happens. And so she goes to Abraham and says, look, I have this servant, Hagar. You guys know this story, right? So said, I have this servant. Take her, marry her. That way we can help God out and I can have a child through her. Say bad idea. Oh, that was weak. Say bad idea. I know, right? But Abraham goes right along with it, and so Sarah's plan seems to work out because Hagar gets pregnant. But then her plan takes an unexpected turn because the Bible says when Hagar realized she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Turn to your neighbor and say, another bad idea. So... But when Hagar realized that she was pregnant, she knew that this was going to bring her huge honor because in that culture, um, one of the woman's primary things was to bear a child, particularly a son, in order to carry on the name. And whereas, so Hagar was pregnant now, whereas Sarah, Abraham's first wife, not only hadn't borne him a son, hadn't borne any children. So Sarah is upset about the fact that Hagar's despising her, so she goes to Abraham about it. Well, I think at this point, Abraham should have just thrown it back in her face and been like, look, this was your great idea in the first place. Deal with it. He doesn't do that. You know, probably a wise man. So none, nonetheless, he tells her instead, uh, you do whatever you think best in the situation. And so that is where we're going to pick up our story tonight, reading straight out of the word and the second half of verse Six. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? 
And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. So I want to take a quick pause, ask you guys a couple quick questions, make sure you're tracking with me and everything. So these are not trick questions. Um, first question, was Sarai wrong for forcing Hagar to marry Abraham? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So you guys got it right. Let me explain real quick why she was wrong for that. So Sarai was not operating in faith. She was operating in the flesh. Okay. She was tired of waiting on God. She didn't think he was going to keep his promise. And so she decided, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to intervene in this situation myself. So that was taking matters into her own hands. Waiting on God, waiting on his promise required faith. And so the, the whole Hagar, Ishmael, and dynamic is an illustration of that in the word. All right, you guys tracking with me? Second question, was Hagar wrong for despising Sarai once she realized she was pregnant, yes or no? I heard a no, yes is the correct answer. Most of you guys got that, so good job. You see, even though Hagar was used by Sarai, that did not justify her negative behavior because Sarai was still Hagar's mistress. And so I'm sure that a lot of you guys can probably relate to Hagar where you've been in a situation, whether this was where your parents or your teachers, maybe one of us pastors, a small group leader, where an authority figure, you felt legitimately wronged by them, but you were still called to submit to them. Okay, that's what God's word says in that situation. Even if the authority is in the wrong, you're still called to submit. So let's use your parents as a quick example for a little rabbit trail. Now, I know that you guys, you know, you know, in situations in your head, your parents are always getting on to you unjustly. You never do it. You never guilty party. But let's just pretend for a second that you were legitimately 100% guilty in the situation. Okay, go with me on this. So your parents... They're getting on to you. Thank you. Thank you. So your parents are getting on to you, you know, just letting you have it. And you're like, oh, man, I did nothing wrong in this situation. Why are they getting on to me? Okay. In that situation, you cussing them out, let's be real, or being angry. Yeah, you, you die. But you, get, you, you know, you being disrespectful or copping an attitude or going to your friends or your siblings and just, you know, telling them about how much your parents stink. That would not be honoring God. That would not be what you're supposed to do in the situation, all right? So if you guys don't believe me, let's check out what God said exactly to Hagar. And the angel Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Moreover, the angel Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child and you will bear a son. You should call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. That's the Hebrew for El Ra'i. <laughs> for she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? So Hagar was clearly at a low point in her life at this moment. She was forced to marry someone, she was pregnant, and then she was mistreated by her mistress. She was completely at her wit's end. And when she couldn't take it anymore, 
she ran away from her problems. How many of you guys have tried that before? <laughs> but Hagar realized she couldn't outrun her problems, like many of you, I'm assuming, have discovered as well. You know, but I really wonder about Hagar because this is the first clear indication in the Bible of her religious beliefs. We know that she was an Egyptian, and so that means she most likely worshipped the Egyptian gods uh, because she grew up in Egypt, was immersed in that culture and that lifestyle. But then she became a slave to Abraham and to Sarai. And I'm sure that over time she observed the relationship that Abraham had with his God. She saw how he went into battle and then won against ridiculous odds when he should have lost under normal circumstances. She saw how, you know, he lived a nomadic lifestyle and was willing to go wherever God called him to. And she probably even learned the backstory about how Abraham left his home and his family just because God had called him. But, and even in the midst of all that, Hagar was a slave. So she was considered insignificant. People didn't concern themselves with her. It was her responsibility to concern herself with the needs of others. So even if this God of Abraham was the real deal, why would he concern himself with her? I mean, after all, he was Abraham's God, not her God. But then, at her lowest moment, when all hope seemed lost, God showed her just how much he really cared for her. God sent me here tonight because some of you have been feeling just like Hagar. Some of you, you've heard about this God. Others of you, you've even seen him move in other people's lives. But some of you are here tonight and you're at an all-time low and you're just wondering, does anyone see me and know what I'm going through? God sent me to tell you this one thing tonight. God sees you and he cares. You see, the answer to our question, does God see what I'm going through, is a resounding yes. But more than that, this story and this name of God teaches us God sees you and he cares. God sees you and he cares. No matter what it is you're dealing with tonight, it hasn't escaped God's notice. I know it may feel that way, just like Hagar probably thought there's nobody in the world who saw her when she was in that wilderness. But God did. When no one else did, God did. El Rohi did because he is the God who sees. And you know, God's response to this is really interesting to me because, you know, if we read it kind of quickly in passing, we might get the idea that Hagar's problems were fixed. But God really didn't say that. He didn't tell her, okay, Hagar, if you go back, Sarai's going to treat you nicely from now on. Everything's going to be all good. He didn't do that. All he gave her was a promise. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a great promise. But God told her to go back into her situation with only a promise to hold on to. So in the same way, whatever it is that you're dealing with here tonight, whether that's depression or feeling isolated or angry or struggling with the sin habit, and you're wondering, does anyone see what I'm going through? God sees you and he cares. That is a promise that you can hold on to in the midst of your situation. But I can't tell you 
just pray a prayer and then everything's going to be different overnight because that doesn't always happen that way. When you call on El Rohi, you're saying, God, I claim your promise that you see me in my situation and that you care about what I'm going through. And I trust you to see me through this. I had an El Rohi moment in my own life not too terribly long ago. I was uh, my first semester of student teaching when I was getting my degree at KSU, and uh, I was in a middle school. It started off uh, fantastic, really. Um, I'm getting to know my co-teacher, uh, getting to know the school. I was nervous going into it, but you know things were working out. It was close to my house. It was convenient. But um, then, uh, through a series of events, miscommunication, and some legitimate mistakes on my part, my relationship with my co-teacher completely was destroyed. It got to a place where I couldn't do anything right, and everything I did irritated her. In fact, it even got to the point where she actually got furious with me right in front of the students one time. And so I was, I was fearful that I wasn't even going to pass, I was going to fail that semester of student teaching, which would have pushed back my, I would have had to repeat it, pushed back my graduation and my wedding, which I definitely didn't want that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the midst of that situation, which was definitely one of the lowest points in my life, I did the only thing I knew to do. I turned to God. I reminded myself that he was El Rohi and that he saw everything I was going through and all the affliction that I had suffered. And I asked for his grace to get me through. And although it was hard, and I definitely wouldn't want to repeat that ever again, he saw me through it. I passed that semester of student teaching. The next semester of student teaching, I was placed in a high school. I had a fantastic co-teacher who really mentored me and poured into me and helped me tremendously. And uh, I graduated on time and got married on time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but in the midst of that situation, God didn't come to me and tell me that end result. He didn't tell me all that stuff was going to happen. I was believing him that it would. But all he gave me in the midst of that situation was a promise that he was El Rohi, the God who sees and that he saw my situation and cared and was going to see me through it. We are uh, not going to be having small groups tonight, which is great because that gives me time for altar ministry. So I want to um, talk to two groups. We just had an awesome time of worship and maybe a lot of these issues that I was just talking about got dealt with, but I want to give an opportunity to respond so I can pray. And actually, um, if I can have my leaders go ahead and come up front, that'd be great. So if you're in this place and you, it felt like I was just talking directly to you and it felt because you felt just like Hagar. You're going through something right now, and you're wondering, does God even see me? Does he even care about what I'm going through? If that's you, I want to pray for you. So would everyone uh, just close your eyes and bow your heads? If that's you in this place, and you're wondering, and you're going through something, and you just want me to pray for you, would you raise your hand right now? Thank you. Anyone else? You can put your hand back down. Any other hands? Thank you. Any others? Last call. Father God, I thank you so much that you are El Rohi, 
that you are the God who sees us. Lord God, that you care about us and that you, you are going to see us through this situation. I thank you for your promise, Lord God. And so I pray tonight over those who raise their hands that you would move miraculously in their situation, that they would have an encounter with you right now, that you would speak to their hearts, Lord God, that they would know that you have them in the palm of your hand and that you are going to see them through the situation. While your heads are still bowed and eyes still closed, I want to see if there's anyone in here who's like Hagar in another respect. Maybe you were like her before she had this encounter with God. You don't know this God of Abraham. He's the God of the Christians. He's the God of my friends, maybe even the God of my parents, but he's not my God. And if tonight you're saying, I want to have a personal encounter with this Jesus, I want to come to know this God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand boldly right now? Is there anyone in the house? All right. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for this word that you've given us tonight. I thank you for this opportunity to meet in your presence, Lord God. And I pray that you will just seal it and may it bear a harvest a hundredfold. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.